I was really fortunate to grow up in a Christian home. My, uh, my parents had become Christians just uh, shortly before I was born. Apparently, God knew they were going to need help. Uh, so they started attending this uh, neat church just you know, down the block from, from our house. And so I grew up in the church. And it was, a, it was a, a neat church and a great experience. But church was a lot different 70 years ago than it is today. Uh, I was just thinking this morning, actually, that uh, I remember once my parents being very upset because the youth director had worn jeans to the Sunday night service. Yeah. So the service wasn't, our worship services weren't exactly liturgical, but they were a lot different than what we're experiencing here today. And one of the things that we did every Sunday was that we recited the Lord's Prayer together as part of our, of our worship. So even just as a, as a young kid, I had memorized uh, the, the Lord's Prayer. And I can remember saying it with the congregation, you know, our Father who aren't in heaven. And then I stopped to think about it. Why are we saying God aren't in heaven? I mean, I thought he was in heaven, and now we're, every week, we're saying he aren't in heaven. So it was a little confusing to me, but I realized there were a lot of things that we sort of said that we seemed to believe, but that we never really talked about, and I didn't really understand, like, like just God's name, you know, the Lord God Almighty. It was like Almighty was his last name, like Christ is Jesus' last name, you know, just stuff that I just sort of assumed as a kid. And I discovered then as an adult, there continued to be a lot of things sort of about God that we believe, sort of, and we, we confess but I'm not sure we really think about what it is that we're saying or what it is that we're actually believing about God. So in this summer series, What Is, I decided today we would think about what is God really like? Because there are things that are unique about God that I, I think we believe, that we kind of confess, but I'm not sure we think about them very often. Things that are unique to who God is. You know, God himself says, you know, to whom you'll compare me and who is my equal? Well, obviously we can't compare him to anybody and there is no equal. God is unique. So what we're going to do for these next few minutes this morning is think about some of these unique qualities of God that maybe we don't think about very often and see if we can get a little clearer, maybe a little bigger picture of what God is like. Because for me, and maybe for some of you, that's one of my pathways. One of my ways of relating to God is, is thinking about him. And two things happen, I think, when, when I do that. When I think about God and my, and my understanding of him gets bigger and clearer, then I find that my, my worship becomes more authentic and uh, spontaneous more real, and I think I find that I'm able to, uh, to trust God and obey Him more fully, the more clearly I can understand who God is. So, 
I hope this will be helpful to you because I want to kind of walk you through the process that I kind of go through when I think about God. So, so what is God really like? Let, we're going to look at a few things this morning. And here's the first one. What is God really like? God is eternal. God is eternal. What does that mean? You know, God has no beginning and no end. He just always is. Is there... Anything that we can think about that will kind of help us to understand that? I think for me, the thing that seems really solid and secure, we used to live in Colorado in the mountains, in the Rocky Mountains. Boy, they're about as eternal as you can get, right? They're there, they're solid, they're always there. But we know, of course, that they're far from eternal. 70 million years ago, the Rockies were formed. And we know that you know, every year they get worn away a little bit. The Rockies aren't eternal. We can't think of God quite in those kinds of terms, maybe, maybe the universe itself. For most of human history, probably, people thought that the universe, the cosmos, was eternal. It just was. It's always there. And people looked up at the night sky, and they saw the stars, and they knew that the next year they were going to still be there, and they would always be there because the universe seemed to be eternal. And it's really only been in the last couple generations that we've discovered that that's not the case, right? Sort of through the work of James Hubble and others, made some interesting discoveries. So, right, so when we go out and look at the stars at night, all the stars that we're seeing are part of this cluster of stars that we call the Milky Way Galaxy about 200 billion stars in that cluster. And it seems like that's, that was, that's all there was. That was the universe. And then we discovered that beyond our galaxy, beyond our cluster of stars, there were other clusters of stars, more and more and more of them. And in fact, at this point, in the visible universe, they, they have recorded about two trillion galaxies like that. So we began to discover that the universe is so much bigger and so much greater than we had ever begun to understand. But that wasn't the exciting part. Then they discovered that not only are there all these other galaxies out there, but the galaxies are moving farther and farther away, that the universe was expanding, and in fact, that it was expanding at an increasing rate all the time, that it was growing and growing, and everything was going farther and farther apart. And one of the reasons that's so significant is because you think about that, so the universe, the size it is today, that means yesterday it was a little bit smaller. And a thousand years ago, it was a little bit smaller. And a million years ago, and a billion years ago, and 13.7 billion years ago, maybe, the universe was down to that infinitesimally small thing that became the Big Bang that created the universe. And we suddenly realized that the, the, the main thing that we think about as being eternal wasn't eternal at all. What, what could bring into being Something like that, that's been existing maybe for billions of years. It would almost have to be an eternal being. That's what, what the Bible says God is. God is that eternal being. So it's a little hard for me to, uh, 
to think in those kind of billionaire terms. So sometimes when I'm thinking about it, I need to cut it down to size. So let's say I think about, so Jesus is God, and Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. So we know that God was around 2,000 years ago. Now one time Jesus is, is talking to some of the religious leaders, and he makes this interesting statement. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Now we know when Abraham lived, Oh, I shouldn't do this. But a few weeks ago, I actually told you the date for Abraham and told you to remember that. Anybody remember when Abraham lived? Did someone say 2000 BC? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Abraham lived 2000 BC. Those are those two dates. Now, come on, guys, two dates. It's not so hard. <laughs> Abraham is 2000 BC. David, King David, is 1000 BC. There will be a quiz on this sometime in the future, so I'm just preparing you that. So 2,000 years before Jesus, there is Abraham. The God of Abraham existed then. So now we're talking 4,000 years back to Jesus and back to Abraham. And I can kind of connect with that. Yeah, that God has been around for 4,000 years. And then I think about, well, what does that mean, that, that God has gotten 4,000 years older than that? Because I think about what it means to be getting older. A lot of you know, Sally and I moved to the Western home a couple years ago, which is a place for old people, <laughs> like us. And so I know what it means to be old, to grow older. You get feeble and forgetful and and you know, you just begin to, to lose a lot of your facilities? Is that what we're thinking about, God? Are we saying when God is eternal that God is getting older? That, you know, somehow he's getting a little more decrepit? And Man, I wish I'd known God a billion years ago when he was in his prime. Like, he's not like that anymore? Is that what we're saying about God? Or maybe, maybe it's the other way, because there are some older people who become better over time. Yeah, who learn more, who become more experienced, who gain confidence. Maybe that's what we're saying about God, that God as he exists just gets, he gets better and better and better, like some people we know whose name we won't mention. Is that what we're saying about God when we're saying God is eternal? No, Neither of those is true. God is perfect in every way from the beginning, from beginning to end. The word the Bible uses a lot for that is that God is everlasting. Isaiah, Old Testament prophet, has God saying this. This is Isaiah 40, verse 28. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. What's God like? God is eternal. He is perfectly eternal. Which sort of takes us to the next thing, unique thing about God that I wanted to talk about. What is God like? God is all-powerful. That means God can do anything. And he can do it effortlessly. It isn't like people, as they get older and lose that ability, God never does. I had a great experience. So, so 
those of you who know me know I'm a terrible athlete. I'm a terrible athlete, but I enjoy playing tennis. And there's some guys that I play tennis with regularly. In fact, I think I have a picture of these guys that I play doubles with regularly. And we discovered um, last year that there is actually a lawn tennis court in Iowa. That probably means nothing to you, but that's like, li- like Wimbledon, you know, playing on grass. So, so we reserved this lawn tennis court and went up one one day in the summer and we'd reserved it for two hours and we got there and it was an incredibly hot day there was no breeze at all but I was so psyched I mean this was high on my bucket list if you can believe it to play a lawn tennis yeah so we started playing I couldn't even last an hour this was me uh, shortly after that (laughs) we started because I just ran out of energy. I was dying. Is God like that? You know, the the Bible almost makes us think that that's the case because I think it's a little easy to misunderstand. So what's the biggest demonstration of God's power? It's the creation of the universe, right? To create everything, to bring it all into being. That's God's power. But when it describes that in the book of Genesis, that first chapter, you know, God goes through this creative process. And then what does God do on the seventh day? He rested. Why did he rest? Because he was tired. I mean, you try creating the universe, see see how easy it is. You know, okay, we we got that done. I just need to catch my breath for a minute. Is that what God is like? That God is powerful, but he kind of uses up his power, his energy. He gets tired like we do. Is that what we're saying about God? I think sometimes I fall into that kind of thinking, and I have to fight against it. Here's what I mean. So for me, as a person, there are some things that I can do easily and well. And there are some things I can do that take some effort, but I can do them. And there are some things that I cannot do at all. And a lot of you here today who are my friends know that I call you when I get to that category of of things that I can't do and ask you if you will help me do them, which is French for will you do it for me, is what I'm really saying. (laughs) Because there's stuff I can't do. And so I, I fall into that habit of thinking God is like that. Okay, there are some things that God can do really easily and really well. And so I feel such confidence praying to God and asking him to do those, those things. But then there are some things that are harder for God to do, and I almost have to kind of beg him or try to persuade him to do those things when I'm praying. And then there are some things that are just impossible even for God. They are so hard, it's really unrealistic to expect that God is going to do that. And so I don't even like to pray about those because it's like I'm going to make God feel bad because he can't do this thing that I'm asking him to do. And so if I pray, you know, God is saying, Ed, I would love to do that for you, but... I can't. I just don't know how to, you know, I can't. I'm not powerful. I, you know, is God like that? Are there things that God is unable to do? No, of course not. When we say that God is almighty, that God is all powerful, there is nothing that he can't do. 
again from Isaiah, this is Isaiah chapter 50, verse 2, says, was my arm too short to deliver you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? Well, of course not. There is nothing that God can't do. There is nothing you will ever ask of God that God is going to say, I, I, I can't, can't do that. That's too hard even for me. God is all-powerful. Let's go into the next one. What, what is God really like? God is all-knowing. I love this. God is all-knowing, omniscient. God knows everything. That means God knows everything that's going on. God knows everything that has ever happened. We know that God knows everything that's going to happen. He knows the future like he knows the past. God knows everything. So, so when we think about this, the universe, think about what that means to say that God knows everything going on in this universe. We are, we are in such fun times. So we've got this new space telescope, the James Webb Space Telescope, have you been hearing about that, reading about it, seeing pictures from it? So this was launched last December. It's sort of stationary about a million miles from the Earth, and it's sending back pictures now that it's taking. And it's able to see farther and clearer and better even than the, than the Hubble Space Telescope was. And we're getting amazing images back from it. Of, of galaxies and nebulas, you know, millions of miles away, millions of light years away. Does God know what's going on in the reaches of space? I, I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? Do you think there's life on other planets? You know, we're really finding out there are other planets. In fact, just recently, this is kind of interesting. So we're able to find so other galaxies with other stars, and we've been able now to see that there are planets around some of those stars, like there our planet is around the star the sun. Uh, so, so they just recently found the 5,000th planet out around some, some distant star. And let's say there's life on that planet. Does God know what's going on there? Absolutely. God knows everything. So I try to bring that down to a little bit more manageable idea that I can comprehend. God knows everything. Let's just say on planet Earth, everything going on here. We're just about up to 8 billion people. They're saying in November, we will reach 8 billion people on planet Earth. Does God know every one of those people? Can you, can you believe there's a being who would know every one of those 8 billion people? And in fact, does that mean that God knows you, really knows you? One of the questions I have been asked frequently over the years is, do, can people in heaven see what's going on on planet Earth? Are they watching us? And we think that would be so neat. So like my parents, they died, they are in heaven. Would it be kind of neat to think that my parents are watching me now in my life? And at first I think, yeah, that'd be really neat. And then I think, whoa. <laughs> Do I want my mother watching me while I go to the bathroom, while I, when I'm snoring at night, when I'm picking my nose? Do I want... <laughs> People in heaven, look at this, look at this, you know. But that's what we're saying about God. By the way, I don't think people in heaven are watching us all the time. But God is. That's what the Bible says, that God knows everything about us. 
In Psalm 139, which is a psalm that was written by David, he seems to comprehend that really well. Let me, let me just read you a little of this. This is verses, starting with verse 4. David saying, Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows everything about us, everything about you. And one of the reasons that that gets a little scary is because nobody... No other person knows us completely, right? And there are things we don't want people to know. I don't want people to know my evil thoughts, my jealousies, my anger, my insecurity, my lying, my deceit, all those kinds of things. Because I think if people knew that about me, they, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't like me. But the miracle is that this all-knowing God who knows everything about you Loves you still. Loves you in spite of all those things that God knows about you. And so one of the things that does for me is it makes it a lot easier for me to trust God. Because he knows everything. When we moved from Colorado to Des Moines, I used to like to take kids back to Colorado on trips to break, take them to the mountains. And so one year, we were going to go backpacking in the mountains. So I'd taken some kids out to Colorado. We hired this backpacking company who fixed us up with backpacks and all that we were going to need, you know, tents to go up in the mountains and hike up there. So we're getting ready to go. And this company said, oh, by the way, our guide is not here today. I don't remember the reason. But he said, but instead, um, this guy is going to lead you. I should have been suspicious. His name was Peaches. <laughs> so Peaches is going to be your guy today. So I've got all these Flatlander kids, and we're heading up into the mountains following Peaches. And we walked, and we walked. So this is up like 8,000 feet or something. These kids are dying. It soon became obvious that Peaches had no idea where we were. We were climbing over... It's not like we were on a trail or anything. We walked through swamps. Did you know there are swamps in the mountains? Peaches found them. We're, <laughs> hour after hour, we're walking through this stuff, and Peaches is up ahead, and it became obvious to me, Peaches has no idea where we're going. We are, we're totally lost. So I managed to catch up with Peaches, and I said... Half an hour, you've got, in half an hour, we are stopping, even if it's on a ledge, I don't care, you know, we are stopping. Because who wants to follow somebody who doesn't know where they're going? And one of the beautiful things about believing that God knows everything is, it gives me such confidence in following his leading. Because I don't, I don't know the future. I don't even understand the present very well. To know that there's a person who knows me totally knows everything about me, knows what I need, knows what my future ought to be, and can lead me into that future. That's a powerful truth for me. This is a God who knows everything. We got time for one more real quickly, and that is that God is everywhere. The word for that is ubiquitous. God is everywhere. So if we've got this huge universe, that means God fills all of it. 
nowhere that you go, no time are you ever going to be far away from God. Again, back in Psalm 139, verse 8, it says, you know, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And this was a new idea to humanity, to believe that there's a God, a universal God. Back in biblical times, people believed in lots of gods, right? Um, but they, they were always sort of localized gods. So each country or each nation, sometimes even cities, they had their own god that was powerful right there. It's a really interesting story, and I think it's in 2 Kings. Elisha is the prophet, and this general from another country has leprosy, and he's been persuaded to come to Elijah to be healed. Elijah heals him. It's a really interesting story. But then the guy, whose name is Naaman, is getting ready to leave and go back to his country, and he makes a strange request. He says, could I take a load of dirt with me, he says? Because his belief was that God is localized, and this is the Israeli God, so if I take some Israeli dirt with me, then I'll sort of be taking their God with me as well. God is everywhere. He fills the universe. There's no place where you ever go, where you will ever be, where God is not so those kind of thoughts really help me in my relationship with God. If I can understand a little better that God has always existed perfectly, that he's all-powerful, he can do anything, he always knows what is right and best, even for me because he knows me so well, it makes me love him and appreciate him more, and it helps me to trust him more as well. So I was thinking today, uh, maybe rather than closing this teaching with a prayer, we could use David's prayer, which is Psalm 139. It's a song, but it's also, it's also a prayer that David is praying. And, and as you hear this, I want you to think about, wow, David really seems to understand that God is all-powerful, that he knows everything, that he is everywhere. And see if this kind of could be our prayer and our worship of God today. David wrote, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You're familiar with all my ways. You, you discern my going out and my lying down. There's not a word on my tongue but you know it completely, oh Lord. I mean, you hem me in behind and before. You, you place your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too, too lofty for me to attain. I mean, where, where could I go from your spirit? Where could I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, well, you were there. If I make my bed in the depths, you were there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, well, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me be dark, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You, you knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Ah, oh, how precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Were, were I to count them, they are, they're more than the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any, any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.